I was reading a story about a guy, his name was John, and uh, he'd had a pretty checkered past and he'd made some fairly serious mistakes. And then, one, then he eventually he came in contact with some people who introduced him to Jesus and as a result of that, his life, well, he was forgiven, you know, he confessed his sin and he was forgiven for that and he had a whole new life before him. However, John struggled with the memories of his past and he found it hard to forgive himself and the burden of guilt, even although that he had confessed it to God, the burden of guilt that he carried was a real weight on him and it was really difficult for him to find um, joy in his life and he, he struggled with depression because of that. And uh, he did attend a church and he was speaking to a lady in the church and she, he actually found her sometimes quite annoying because she would always say, um, you know, oh, the Lord told me this. And he said it wasn't annoying because it wasn't true because everything that she said was tr- actually came to pass. And it was clear that she did hear from God, but he sort of thought, why don't I hear from God? And it sort of, he, it sort of challenged him. And so until one day he, th- he sort of went up to her and he said, look, you tell me that you, you speak to God and you hear from God all the time. And I know, I know that you do. I don't doubt that. But he said, I want you to go to God and ask him to tell you what I did. Because he was so burdened by this. And so she said, all right, I will. And um, a few weeks later, he came across her again and he said, so did you ask him? And she said, yes, I did. And, and uh, he said, well, what did she say? Sorry, what did God say? And she said, God says he doesn't remember. And that's the truth. That's the truth. God tells us that when we confess our sins to him, that he puts them, he uses the um, parallel or the analogy of putting them to the bottom of the deepest sea so you can't possibly retrieve them. He says that he separates them as far as the east is from the west. And that's not in a circle. That's in a straight line of infinity, which means you can never get them back. Because, you see, he paid an incredible price. He suffered incredibly, incredible pain, torture, agony, separation from his father, so that he could take... our sins, and so that we could be forgiven. I'm going to have to have water from time to time. But would you agree that the guilt of our sin can weigh heavily on our heart and mind? And sometimes it's really hard to forget it, often because we don't forgive ourselves. And sometimes it's because we're actually not really trusting that God has forgiven us. And so today we're in a series for several months where we're talking about prayer. And uh, prayer is such an important thing. That's why we're going to talk about it for a while. But today we're going to talk about the prayer of confession. This prayer is when we confess to God our sin and we accept his forgiveness. And he releases us from the burden of guilt. He promises us that. He says, if you confess your sin... He is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you confess, he's saying, I will forgive you and I will cleanse you. So you become pure in his sight again. 
And so that's the promise. It's just the problem is that we often ignore that. And we carry this burden around and we allow it to weigh us down, even to the point where it affects us mentally, our mental health. We become depressed because we feel burdened by this. But that's not God's design. That's not the way that he meant it to be. He doesn't want us to carry that burden because he paid the price so that we could be set free from that. And so to help us understand this today, I want to look at Psalm 51. This is a great psalm for you to go back to after today and read again. And hopefully some of the things that I'm going to talk about will um, come to mind again as you read it yourself at home. So let me just tell you the context for this psalm. It's written by David, King David. Now David had committed adultery with a woman called Bathsheba. And to try and cover it up, what he did was he sent her husband, Uriah, who was a commander of the army, he sent him out into battle right at the front because he knew that if he was put right at the front that he would be killed. So in fact, even although it covered up by, he covered it up by saying he was going into battle as the commander, Uriah was killed and so he, and so Bathsheba no longer had a husband. So he tried to construct all of this and cover up his sin and, and, um, you know, make sure that it was all okay. Until one day a prophet called Nathan came to him and he spoke to him. He confronted him with his sin through a story that David realized what he had done. And he realized his sin and he felt so guilty. He felt so bad. And, uh, He was weighed down by this guilt. And so this psalm is expressing that. And this psalm is actually coming to God and asking for forgiveness. So let's look at verses 1 and 2. And I think when we follow this psalm, we can see how we too can come to God and ask for forgiveness and accept it and believe that we are forgiven and go forward free from the burden of guilt. Now, in the first two verses of Psalm 51, David expresses his deep need for forgiveness. Now, people talk about things come in threes. It's a bit of a superstitious thing, really, I think. And people really believe that sometimes, particularly negatively. They, you know, when something bad happens and they sort of think, oh, you know, then something else, they said, well, things, there must be something else because things come in threes. But um, I don't think God really wants us to believe that. But nevertheless, I wonder if, there's not, if that doesn't come from something relating to the word of God. Because in this psalm, we see there are lots of threes. And you know, they say if three things line up, you can be pretty sure that that's the right decision to make. Well, this is actually a style of writing in the Bible that, for those of you who are interested, is called parallelism. And God lines up these three things so that he can really reinforce the truth and really make you know that this is exactly what he wants you to know and believe. And so we have in this first two verses three lots of threes. The first one is talking about the character of God. It says that he has mercy, that he has unfailing love and compassion. So there's the first lot of three. So David comes before God and asks for forgiveness, not on the basis of anything that he has done. He doesn't rely on his past service and doesn't say, God, I've been a good king up till now. I know I made this mistake, but because I've been a good king, would it be okay to forgive me? It's nothing about David at all. It's all about God. 
It's all about his character. And God has mercy for us. He has unfailing love and compassion. And it's because of this that we can come to God and ask for forgiveness. It's only because of who he is. Then secondly, David goes on to describe his sin. He, he refers to it in three different ways. He talks about sin, he talks about transgression, and he talks about iniquity. He uses these three words to describe what he's done. And what this actually explains to us is that sin has a downward spiral. You know, when you sin itself is just referring to an offence or a single act of sin. And so we, we, we might, you know, commit a sin, make a mistake, do something wrong once. Now, if we confess it to God, then it's dealt with and it's gone. But the danger is that we don't. We don't confess it. And so what happens is it becomes a pattern and we repeat it. And when we repeat it and repeat it, it becomes transgression, which means rebellion. We're rebelling against God could be speaking to our spirit, but we ignore it and we keep sinning. That's called transgression. And so we, we start down this spiral to, to great defeat. And so what happens then when that happens, if we don't do something about it, if we don't come to God and confess and ask for his strength, what happens is we'll end up in iniquity, which is perversity. And some, it's not a place that we want to end up in. But it's interesting in this psalm that David just doesn't want to, he doesn't talk about the sin that he committed with Bathsheba and Uriah. He's looking at his whole life and he realises there's been sin in his life. And, the, and he wants to make sure that he deals with all of these sins, with the, the one-off offences, with the you know, rebellion, even with the perversity, because it was perverse what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah. And that happens when we move away further and further from God. We find it easier to sin because we're not listening to God speaking to our hearts. But when we confess straight up, immediately we're right with God and we can hear what he's saying to us. And then finally, the third lot of threes is what he asks God to do with this sin. He says, I want you to blot it out. I want you to wash it away and to cleanse me. So what he wants is to blot it out means to wipe it off the slate. So the slate is wiped clean. Then he wants it washed away thoroughly so there's no remains and then purified, cleansed. He doesn't try and make any excuses for himself. He doesn't try and justify himself to God. He doesn't say, look, Bathsheba just shouldn't be and have been on the roof where I saw her and got tempted. If she hadn't have been there, it would have never happened. Or he doesn't say, you know, look, I'm human. How can you not react to that? He doesn't try and use his humanity as an excuse or justify himself or blame someone else. He brings his sin out into the open before God and he confesses it. He doesn't pretend, he doesn't pretend that God doesn't care, but he knows he must confess his sin before God. And, you know, if we want to be freed from the burden of guilt, we need to do the same. We can't justify our actions. We can't blame someone else for it or excuse, us on the, excuse it on the basis that we're just human and we're a bit weak sometimes. But because of his mercy, his unfailing love and his compassion, we can bring it to him knowing 
that he will blot it out. He will wipe the slate clean. He will wash it away and he will cleanse us and make us pure in his sight. So going on to verse 3, we say that David describes this burden of guilt that he has been carrying and he says, um, verse 3 says, For I know my transgressions, my sin is always before me. Do you know what that's like? You know when you've done something and you just can't put it out of your mind? You try to get busy and sort of like forget it, but the moment you're quiet, like when you go to sleep at night, when you put your head on the pillow, suddenly it all comes flooding back. And these thoughts are at you. And you feel bad about it. Your conscience doesn't let you forget it. And because of that, David realises that his sin is actually, the gravity of his sin is the fact that it's not just about what he's done, but the fact that he has actually sinned against God. Sin hurts ourselves, sin hurts others, and ultimately, sin is against God. And so David does realise that his actions and his behaviour deserves punishment. He realises that, that it could result from, you know, with, with consequences. But if he doesn't stand against it, the result will be far worse. And most of all, if he comes to God, he can be forgiven. forgiven. We, we, you know, we live in a world that is surrounded, that is, that is full, that is broken. It's a broken world. It's a world that's full of difficulty and, and sin is there before us often. And, you know, we, it will overtake us if we do not stand. And the only way we can stand, we can't stand alone. It's true, we are weak, we are human. But God promises that he will help us to stand, that he will forgive us, he will cleanse us and he will empower us to live every day in a way that will bring glory to him And give us freedom. Amen. So going on to verse 7. This is exactly what David did. He confessed his sins and he he pleaded before God for cleansing. Now it's interesting that if you look in the Bible, the original word that was used for cleansing is the word purge. Do you know that word? Purge. And it's an interesting word. Um, But it says purge with hyssop. It almost sounds like um, some sort of homemade remedy. But in fact, what it referred to is this. I'll read it from the Bible commentary. The unclean, such as lepers, used to present themselves before the priest on the occasion of their purification. That's mean when they'd be declared no longer leprous. The priest, being satisfied that the unclean person had met the requirements for purification, would take a bunch of hyssop and sprinkle the person with water. Symbolic of ritual cleansing. So here David is asking to be purged with hyssop. In other words, what's he saying is he wants to be made clean. He wants to be declared pure in God's sight. He doesn't want to stay in this state anymore. A person who was unclean in the Old Testament had to, was put outside of the camp, sort of outside of the city, until they, they were cut off from people, they were cut off from God. Once they'd been cleansed with water, then they were able to, be, to return again. And so by David asking for this, what he's saying is, I want a relationship with God. I want it to be restored. 
I want it to be right. I don't want to be separated. I don't want this sense of trying to do life alone, struggling with my guilt and sin. I want to be forgiven. I want to be cleansed. I want to be in relationship with God. And he says in verse 11, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Because he understands what it's like to be separated from God and to live a life like that. He doesn't want that anymore. He wants to be reunited with God, to be made at peace with God, for his sin to be cast away and for him to be in right relationship with God. And what he does now is he pleads with God to restore his joy. Now we know what happens when we carry guilt, when we, when we are in sin, that it robs us of joy. We do not, the two do not, really go together well. And of course, sin brings severe consequences. And so our joy is taken away from us. It's stolen from us. It's destroyed. And it actually says in John, in the New Testament, that Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. So the good things in your life, the things that are great, he wants to destroy those. He wants to tear those down. He wants to rob you of the things that are good in your life. Now, who wants to live without joy? Anyone? No, we want to live with joy. And David certainly wanted to. And so in verse 12, he requests for his joy to be restored. He realized that that his sin broke the relationship. And by confessing his sin to God, he would be restored to God and his joy would return. And so he then goes on to pray probably one of the most beautiful prayers of confession and uh, uh, you know, asking for forgiveness in the Bible. In verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David wants his life and heart to be changed. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God. See, God wants our hearts. He's not just wanting us to go and do a bunch of stuff for him. That's not what he wants. He wants our heart, our love. And what happens is that sin puts our heart and mind in a different direction, away from God. And he calls us back to himself. And sometimes we need to be awoken to that fact, to the fact that everything's not right and we need our heart to be renewed. We need to come to a place where we take our hands off the controls, hard to do, admitting that we have made a mess of things and allow God to take control and put things right by allowing his spirit to work within us. Paul explains this in the New Testament in Titus 3. He says, But when God our Saviour revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Saviour can hear the same words coming through can't you as David was asking in his prayer and now Christ has actually died on the cross he has actually paid the price for our sin so let's not make that in vain let's not take it back Jesus has paid for this 
He has already suffered and paid the penalty for your sin and for mine. So it's done. And we need to release it to him and leave it with him. So we ask God to create a new heart within us and one that is steadfast, one that won't be tossed about by the things of the world, you know, this way and that, but rather one that will stand firm. And David in verse 12 even asked for a willing spirit. He says, this is when we, he's, I'll just refer to it, um, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. What that means is when we allow God's will to be outworked in our life, then we are sustained. We are able to stand firm. We are strengthened. We are held up. And David knows that is the only way he can sustain living the right way is if he allows God's will to be his will. If he makes what God wants what he wants, he aligns those together. And so finally in verses 13 to 17, God is now asking a response from David and I believe from us. So David has come and asked for, he's confessed his sin to God. He's asked to be forgiven. God has granted him forgiveness. He has blotted it out. He has washed it away. He has cleansed him. And now God is asking for this in verse 13. Have a look at that. God wants us to tell other people about his mercy, his unfailing love and his compassion, what he's done for us. That's what testimony is. It's when you tell someone else, you you tell them, look, you know, I'd done this in my life. And this had totally brought me undone. This had wrecked things for me. But then I reached out to God. And through Christ, because of what he had done on the cross, he has taken all of that. He has forgiven me. He has given me a new heart so that I can live life to the full the way that he intended for me. Wouldn't we, wouldn't, you know, don't we want other people to know that? Don't we want other people to know the truth of that? And so when we receive his forgiveness, it's good to be able to tell other people about his incredible love. In verses 14 and 15, then he tells us to declare, to turn our thanksgiving into praise to God, to tell about his greatness. That's what we've done this morning when we've, when we've praised him. But it's not just about three songs in church on Sunday. That's not what he's meaning. He's saying take the songs that we sing and the expression of praise to God throughout the whole week, every day. That's what our theme is this year, every day, that we would take that praise and we would continue to sing in our heart, in our mind, in our car, at work, wherever, if it's, if it's appropriate. We are blessed people with many reasons to give thanks And most of all, to know that your sins have been forgiven, we would want to praise God and thank him for his incredible mercy. And verse 17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, God, you will not despise. In other words, what God's saying is that, what David is saying is that we would give him our hearts, that we are truly sorry for what we have done. And then let God create a new heart within us, a whole heart, a heart that is strong, a heart that beats for him. And we will find the promise that he gives us. Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life in all its fullness. And that's the promise that we can take a hold of as we allow him to have our hearts. Because then 
We release our will and we take on his. We are free from sin because we have confessed them. We haven't allowed them to continue on so that we become hardened or desensitized to sin. And then we build a new relationship with God. We, we continue to grow in that and we can then no longer be weighed down or um, depressed by our guilt because no longer do our sins, no more, they are, our sins are no more. And so today I'm going to invite the band to come back to the stage. We have challenges this morning and we're up to, I think, challenge 21. Is that right? So we've come of age now in our challenges, challenge 21. And uh, the challenge today, I'm wondering if I can get someone, David, can you help? Uh, the challenge today is, uh, for those who have not been here before, each week we've been having a challenge that we do every day. Because our theme for this year is every day. And you can see the challenge up on the screen. And so what I'm asking that we do at the end of every day, that we pray. That we go before God and we don't allow anything of that day to be taken into the next day. But we go before God and we, we confess to him anything perhaps that day. Maybe it's been an, you know, a jealous thought or an angry word. Maybe we've spoken behind someone's back. Or we've you know, done something that would hurt someone else. Maybe we've not done something that we should have done. So what we need to do is we need to take this opportunity to pray. Confess it to God. Knowing That God is full of mercy, unfailing love and compassion. He will take that and he will forgive you and you are set free from it. He will blot it out. It's not on the slate anymore. He will wash you and he will cleanse you. And you can go to sleep with no burden of guilt on your mind. And you can rest in him and rise up to a new day and all that it offers. I tell you, if you do this, I promise you, this will be life-changing. Because Satan loves, you know what his other, one of his names is? One of his names? The accuser. He loves to accuse you. Look what you've done. Look at that. Look at you. Why can't you do this? Why have you failed again? He just speaks into our mind, accusation. Another of his names is liar. He speaks lies into our minds. He doesn't want you to be victorious. He doesn't want you to have joy. He doesn't want you to be set free. He wants you to be bound. Why would you want that? When you can accept Jesus and everything that he offers, he says he comes to give life in all its fullness, freedom, No burden of guilt, but he sets us free. And so this week, take that challenge. If you don't know God, you don't have to be religious. You don't have to know some special prayer. You just say, God, I am sorry for my sin. Will you take it from me? Will you forgive me? Wash away. Cleanse me. He'll do it. It's all it takes. Simple prayer like that. Because he loves you. He made you. He knew you before the beginning of time. He has a plan for your life that is good. And he wants to help you walk that way 
He will give you strength. He will give you everything that you need if you will trust Him. So as we stand and sing this morning, this song talks about His mercy. It talks about His love for us. Let Him minister into your spirit. If you want to come forward and have prayer, it's always the opportunity. People will pray with you. But please stand and let's take this time to to come before God and thank Him for His mercy and His love.